Welcome to episode 10 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of the What, When, Wine Diet, available in stores nationwide in 2018. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome. This is episode 10 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm really excited because I feel like 10 is a milestone. This is Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hey. Episode 10, right? It's pretty exciting. That is such a yes, yes. It feels like We've been doing it for a long time, and yet it also feels like we just started. So I agree. I agree. <laughs> Same page. How are things in your yeah. world? Things are going great. It is full-on summertime here, and I am loving it. I'm just reading, relaxing, learning. It's just its a great time. What's your favorite season? Is it summer? Well, it would have to be summer. <laughs> I do love summer. People talk about the Georgia heat. I actually don't mind it. Earlier today, I was inside and the air conditioner was on and I was like, I need to go sit out on the porch and I just like to be in the heat. Of course, it is June. Ask me again in July. So I know. Check back on that with the humidity and everything. I used to love summer, like growing up. I still do, but now I think I'm more of a winter. Like I just love Christmas. Well, I do love Christmas. Yeah, that's true. Every season has something going for it. It's true. There's always something new and exciting. But I do love summer, but I Christmas is great. Wonderful. <laughs> um, oh, I found out I passed my wine test officially. Oh, congratulations. So what is – do you have a title? What is your title it's now? It's the WSET, so Wine and Spirits Education Trust Level 2 Certification. Okay. But they said I actually got a perfect score, which I did not expect – well, that's very exciting. So see, people can trust your wine advice. I feel like I've forgotten everything, though, already, but it's okay. No, <laughs> I'm sure it's there. It's all good. <laughs> well, congratulations. Thank you. All right, so we can jump in because we have a ton of topics to cover today, a lot of listener questions. They just keep rolling in. So I'll go ahead and start with the first one. So this one comes from Allison, and she says, Hello. Exercise is an important part of my lifestyle, but I'm struggling with how to maintain my activity levels and also practice IF. What have you guys found? Thanks. All right. Well, I'm excited to talk about that. And um, a lot of people do maintain a, a very high level of activity while fasting, um, although it might be hard at the beginning as you're transitioning to intermittent fasting. If you're used to eating frequently throughout the day and you've eaten, you know, the typical pattern, breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, and so forth, then your body is used to having that quick energy from the food that you just ate. And it's going to take a while for your body to become metabolically flexible. That's what they call it. And that's when your body is able to tap into fat stores 
efficiently and easily for energy. Once you're metabolic, metabolically flexible, your body just can go back and forth. Now, I'm not talking about if you're doing the Iron Man. You know, <laughs> I don't have any advice for that. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> no, you may need to carb up for that. I don't know, or eat frequently. But on just a regular day-to-day training normally, once your, your body is fat adapted, you're metabolically flexible, there are certain hormones and things going on in your body that allow you to be able to switch back and forth. And so you're going to be able to tap into the fat stores while you're working out, which really is our goal after all. So you need to just think, you know, at the beginning, this is hard perhaps, but there is no reason why you can't keep up your exercise regimen as you go along. What do you think, Melanie? Definitely. I was going to say, if you are struggling, there's probably two main reasons. The first one that you're not fat adapted, like you just said, Jen. Um, But once that happens, it should get so much easier. I find personally now, like (laughs) it used to be when I would, before fasting, exercise was just such a mountain to climb and just seemed so, I was not an exercise person at all. Um, But now I just have like limitless energy in a way with fasting. So I do think once you become fat adapted, it'll become so much easier. There is also the possibility that you're not getting enough food. Like you might need to eat more. Um, You might have in adopting an IF pattern intentionally or not intentionally started eating way less. So maybe you do need more carbs or more fat or uh, whatever suits your body best. So that might be something to play around with as well. And then I feel like some people... As far as activity levels go, some people do better at different times in their fast. So like for me personally, I am the most active way longer into my fast. Um, So when I'm really fasted, that's when I find activity is the easiest for me. But I think it can fluctuate for different people. How about you, Jen? I think that's a great point. Yes. Um, As you, I find I get more energy throughout the day as it becomes time for me to start breaking my fast. I just... Once I pass a certain point, and it's the point where I think ketosis kicks in, where I start to have the taste in my mouth and I feel the energy, I feel like I could just go, go, go. And Same. that's when, you know, I can go to the mall, I can shop, I, I can do anything, I can walk around the neighborhood, I can move boxes. I mean, there's not been any time since I've been an intermittent faster that I wanted to do an activity and I didn't have the energy to do it unless it was after I'd eaten. <laughs> same. That, well, yeah. same. Same. <laughs> then I'm like, no, I just want I just to like shut down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, and stop. <laughs> right. Because digestion now is taking a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Perfect. All right. Move on to the next question, which is along the same lines. This is from Catherine and the subject is weight loss, fasted cardio. And she says, hey, ladies. Loving the podcast so far. I started IF a week ago when I discovered your podcast. I'm already seeing great results. Waking up with a flat, unbloated belly every day, which I'm side note here. I love that also. (laughs) (laughs) I'm curious about weight loss and lean muscle growth with IF. How important is it to work out while in a fasted state? Can I do my workouts after breaking my fast and still see the same results? And what do you think, Melanie? Well, first of all, I want to say it's great that she's assuming, normally people assume that they need to work out not in the fasted state. So I love that she (laughs) is understanding that that's actually beneficial. There's a lot of studies, and we talked about this on prior podcasts, but intermittent fasting really is fantastic for muscle building and muscle preservation. And there's tons of reasons for that. 
seems to encourage responses in the muscle that signal muscle growth, like very specific genes and very specific proteins. It's good for actually combating insulin resistance in the muscle. And I know I say this a lot, but any studies that we reference or anything scientifically sounding, if you go to our website, ifpodcast.com, we will put links to those studies in the show notes. But anyway, so back to muscle. Um, it is great for supporting muscle. It also, a key thing that it does is it upgrades it upregulates growth hormone, which IGF, and that really supports muscle maintenance. As far as the difference between preserving muscle in your fast versus after eating, I do think you'll see better results while fasting. I agree. That said, lots of people, most people, <laughs> work out after eating, and they obviously have success with muscle building. So I'm sure you're going to be doing great things with IF in, in any case. Um so you can try different times of doing it, but I do think doing it in the fasted state is probably best. And then eating afterwards. How about you, Jen? I agree with that completely. I think that you're going to get, like, like I just talked about in the prior question, when you're metabolically flexible, you're able to tap into your fat stores. And really, that's one of the things we want to do with exercise. We're doing it to burn fat, um, also building muscle. But when you're in the fasted state, the process of autophagy is happening, and that's when your body is recycling the proteins that that are, I like to call them the old junky proteins that are around, and your body's using those, and it can take those proteins and then use them to build, you know, the new muscle tissue with. So you've got what you need in your body already. We're not that fragile that, you know, you're working out and you're, like, going to burn muscle tissue or something. No, you're building muscle tissue, and it's, and it's using the 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 building blocks that are already present in your body. That is one thing I think that a lot of people are worried about, Melanie. In the um, the Facebook groups, people talk a lot about the, the idea that they need to immediately after doing a workout start pounding some kind of protein supplement. Right. And, and I don't think that that's the case. What do you think about that? So I've actually read studies on that exact thing. So every day you're breaking down muscle and rebuilding it every day. You're never just building it or just breaking it down. Studies seem to show that within 24 hours, as long as you get adequate protein within 24 hours to rebuild whatever you broke down, it doesn't change anything. So it doesn't really matter if you have your protein throughout the day versus at the end of the day. Right. People seem to think like the mindset that, I, mean, I don't know if, if they're getting this advice from trainers, but the mindset seems to be that you know, immediately after working out, you must go consume protein right that mm -hmm. moment. And and I don't believe that that's the case. And it sounds like the research shows that it isn't. Yeah, it's not the case. Yep. That's what, I, <laughs> that's what I've always found when I've looked it up myself. But our bodies can can make do with what's around. And as long as we're getting it over the course of, of our eating window, we're going to be fine. We're not as fragile when it comes to protein as, you know, we think we are. I agree. So I will read the next one. So this one comes from Lauren, and the subject is fasting question. She says, I love the podcast, and I think y'all are brilliant. I've been in the bodybuilding world competing in figure and bikini, and I wish I knew this then. My question is this. During the holidays, when you get off of your fasting schedule, how long does it take you to get back into your fasting zone where you don't feel hungry again? I guess I would equate this to the keto flu you experience while trying to get into ketosis. Second question. Actually, we can go ahead and... Um... Yeah, let's answer the first one. That's a great question. And I know that we, we recently on another episode talked about vacations and when we go off our fasting schedule, like when I'm going to go on my cruise next month and 
I'm not going to be on, on a very strict fasting schedule. I actually find I don't have trouble getting back into the swing of it at all. Um, you know, like in the holidays, you, you specifically mentioned the holidays, Christmas, Thanksgiving, that, that time of the year. I, I don't actually take days off, you know, days and days. I may be off on Thanksgiving itself or on Christmas Eve or on Christmas itself, but it's not like I'm going for three weeks and I'm just forgetting about fasting. And the same when I go on a vacation. It might be, you know, six days that I have a, a more relaxed schedule of eating. But as soon as I get back, the very day I'm, I'm back from the vacation, my body knows what to do. I don't find that I struggle. And again, that goes back to being metabolically flexible. My body has the right enzymes, hormones, what have you, to switch to fat burning, and it doesn't forget it that quickly. Now, if I took a year off, you know, there might be a, I don't, I don't know what the limit would be for me, but I've been doing this since 2014, and I don't have trouble anymore, you know, getting back on track. Now, if you're new, if you're just starting out, it could be a very different story. Um, but what do you think, Melanie? Pretty similar to you. So when I first started intermittent fasting, which I've been doing it since 2010-ish, so quite a while, um, when I first started it during holidays, I would I would go off of it more. And I totally know what she means about getting back into the, vast, the fasting zone because when you go off of it, you kind of revert back to your old self. And you, um, at least for me personally, it's like, you go back to feeling like you do need to eat constantly. But I typically would find that after two days, I'd be back to normal. Like a, a good solid 24-hour fast can really just get you back into the fasting zone, at least for me personally. It's true. And I also find out the food is not attractive. You get to the point, you know, when I when I go on vacation and I eat, by the end, I'm like, I don't want to eat anymore. And then the day, like you know, when we're driving home from the vacation, I don't need to stop and eat. I don't want to stop and eat. And I don't even want food. My body's like, fast. <laughs> yeah, it makes it really easy to do an even longer fast. Now I'm actually similar to you. I don't really I don't really go off of it for holidays. The only really exception is um, for like family get-togethers where it's like a brunch or right. something like that for Thanksgiving or Christmas or something like that. It does become easier the longer you do it to not – go off of the plan. And it, I, I, I do worry that it sounds like we're, that we're becoming crazy and we like never break our fast, but it's just because it becomes so easy and um, you do just feel better sticking to it while still getting to enjoy all of the holiday food and such in your window. So why not? Why not stick to it? Exactly. So even over Thanksgiving, when I had a house full of company, my son was home from college. His girlfriend was here for a week on their, their break from college you know, they were eating all the time. I was fixing food for people. I did open my window a little wider that week, but really I still mainly just ate one meal a day. I might have had more snacking here and there, but I didn't want to eat all day long. It just it loses its appeal. It's really funny. Um, the concept of brunches and breakfasts now to me just seems so I'm just they're just so unappealing to me. Yeah. Although I do love brunch food. What's your favorite? Quiches? Omelette? No, I like, I'm an Eggs Benedict girl. Oh, those those are good. Yeah, because see, that's something I can't make at home. I'm like a great cook, but hollandaise sauce, I tried to make it one time and it, it didn't work out. Maybe I'd be better now. I don't know. I love hollandaise sauce. I don't need as much of it anymore, but like hollandaise and béarnaise for steaks. Oh, yes. 
Good stuff. Yum. Good stuff. And a good poached egg. Yum. Yeah. And eggs are great for you as well. We're actually going to have eggs tonight. It's part of our dinner. What type of eggs? Um, I um, use a, so this food delivery service where the, you know, they send the, the ingredients, but this one is like a homemade breakfast sausage bowl over a potato hash, and then it's got like runny eggs on top of it. It's going to be so good. It's got all these vegetables like asparagus and all sorts of things, onion. Yum. Yum. <laughs> Wait, can I ask you a quick question? Just really quick. Yes. Um, it's because I'm working on the recipes for the new version of my book. What are your top three like favorite recipe, like entree recipes that you'd want to oh, see included? Gosh, I want to see if I have them because I've already come up with a list, but I want to see if I've included them. I've been asking everybody this question. I don't know. Now, see, I, I can't. I like so many different things. <laughs> <laughs> and I eat so many different things now, but I do think a good breakfast for dinner entree is a great choice. Do you have anything like that? So breakfast-wise, it'll be... Like a pancake, they're all paleo, gluten-free, grain-free, right. but like paleo, uh, pancakes and then there's like a breakfast casserole type thing. Oh so yeah, that, that's good. That could, that could work for that. Now do y'all eat potatoes? It's a whole, it's a gray area. We, um, okay. Sweet potatoes are yes, white potatoes, there's actually have a whole section on it. It's a, okay. a, gray, a gray area. area. Mm-hmm. They're nightshades which have compounds that yeah. aggravate a lot of people. Okay. So, hmm. Um. I always like to eat things that are delicious with chicken. I find that chicken is one of my favorites. Do you have some good chicken recipes? I have four, four chicken entrees. And I have recently, I guess I'm, I'm a grown-up now, so I'm like learning to cook with the skin-on chicken. And before, I never would buy it. And then I'm like, what? And I guess also we were thinking that the skin was, oh, my gosh, that's, you know, you can't eat the skin. Well, when you learn how to cook a chicken breast that has skin on, it is a whole different thing. So good. Yeah. Yeah. I will have like a rotisserie chicken. Oh, good. And are you like doing it at home with your rotisserie chicken? <laughs> how do you do it at home? Oh, for or how to cook it? Oh, or... oh, yeah. I thought you had a recipe for rotisserie chicken. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's going to be a recipe. Um, okay. Like a slow cooked, like the oh, slow okay. cooker Ooh. or instant pot, which is like the best thing ever. So do you cook in the instant pot? I do personally. Oh, well, I don't have one. Oh, they're amazing. Everybody should get an instant pot. It's like a slow cooker. But it does it a fraction of the time. Are you familiar with it? I have seen a lot of people talking about it. Oh, it's it. amazing. Is it a little bit like a pressure cooker? It is combined. a pressure cooker. Okay. So it's like a pressure cooker combined with a – okay. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Okay. Yeah. It's a pressure cooker, but it can also be a slow cooker. But it's a pressure cooker. Oh, it's wonderful. Ah, well, I'll have to try it. A lot of people rave about them. <laughs> that was a tangent. No, well, that's good though. But it's food-related. Because with intermittent fasting, you can eat all the things. <laughs> you can even have skin on chicken. and You can. I'm going to have two eggs with my breakfast sausage hash. It's going to be delicious. <laughs> <laughs> all Do right. you want to ask the second part of her sure. question? Sure. So she also says, second question, I know you said doing this maintains weight. So how will I lose and not just maintain where I am now? How does your body know when to lose and when to maintain? Thank you. I'm so excited to start. And I think that's an excellent question because, yes, you know, you and I are both maintaining now. We're in the maintenance stage. We're just, although I am still very slowly losing fat and getting smaller over time, um, your body is going to continue to tap into excess unnecessary fat stores as long as you've got it. And that's where the whole appetite regulation part of um, fasting comes into play. If our bodies are working the way that they're supposed to, in theory, 
when you've got a whole lot of fat on your body, your body should know that. And so you're not going to need to eat as much if you're able to access those fat stores. So your appetite may be lower during the weight loss process. And even so, every every week or so, you may have a day where you're hungry or, you know, roll with that. But um, Dr. Hearing, who wrote the Fast Five book and came up with the Fast Five program, he has a book called Appetite Correction, and it's just a brilliant book. I talked about it in my book as, as a highly recommended book. But he, he calls it Appetite Correction, and that's allowing your body to guide you as to how much you need to eat. You know, animals in the wild don't gain weight. They eat just the right amount. Um, people have have the mechanisms in place for our appetites to be controlled. So when you're losing weight, you may find you're not as hungry. You can't eat as much. You eat a little bit of food and your body says, don't eat anymore. Well, that's a good sign. That means that your body is tapping into your fat stores. Then over time, as you get to your goal, your goal range, wherever your body is happy, you'll find that your appetite increases. You know, I have some days, a few days ago, I was starving. I, my body was hungrier that day, so I probably had a six-hour window, which is longer than, than I normally have. But then the very next day after that, I was full in an hour. So I think that, I think that you'll find that over time, your body communicates with you what you need to do. What do you think about that, Melanie? Yeah, I agree. Um, so our bodies definitely want homeostasis and they they know even though it's not us consciously knowing but our body systems know what weight they want to be at i mean in today's society though it gets all kind of crazy because we a we eat constantly which kind of throws off that whole system and we eat a lot of processed foods and that are genetically engineered to make us eat more it's just a farce it's awful um but the great thing about if is that it does revert you back to a more natural state and it's going to give your body clarity in what weight it should be at and burning fat versus storing fat so i do find that it's not something you have to consciously worry about either way there's fat there to burn and you're doing intermittent fasting you you're likely going to burn it if you are at a place where you should be just in maintenance, you'll likely just stay in maintenance. Um, so I don't think it's something to stress about. <laughs> I agree. I agree. And people actually ask the question, like, how do I stop losing weight? You know, I see that in the, in the Facebook groups. They're like, well, okay, I'm now at what I thought was my goal. How do I stop? <laughs> and well, your, your body may want to actually have a little bit less fat on it than, than you thought. You know, that, that actually we find to happen. My body is deciding that too. So... Your body will decide, and we try to micromanage it because we've been trained to do that. We've been trained to, you know, monitor our intake to stay within a certain range that we and our brains come up with, but really... Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Like, we, we think we can be in control of it when it's really beyond our conscious control. It's happening behind the scenes, if it's working properly. But just like you said, all the overly processed foods and the eating all day long, that gets us away from those natural signals. I agree completely. Do you know how they develop the cafeteria diet for rodents? No, I don't. A lot of times they use this cafeteria diet to study weight gain and weight loss in rodents. And that actually started because originally they would try to fatten up rodents and rats with high fat diets, um, which would kind of work, like, but not ideally. But then this researcher one day Apparently, he saw a rat go over, I don't know why, but there were some Fruit Loops laying around. And so the rat <laughs> went over and started eating the Fruit Loops and just started gorging on the Fruit Loops. And so then they started, they went to the grocery store and they got um, all of these 
grocery products like Fruit Loops and processed foods, and they started using that instead for weight gain in the rodents, and the, the rodents just like the weight took off. Well, that makes sense. The food, first of all, is overly palatable, which, you know, tricks the brain and, you know, want you want more and more of it. And then also, based on what I've read, it messes up your gut microbiome and then mm-hmm. you start craving even more of it. So, like, processed food does many, many bad things in the body. Now, do I still eat processed foods? Yes. But it's not the mainstay of what I eat. And then also it doesn't give you nutrients, so you're still craving. Right. So Exactly. Crazy, crazy. All right, we've got another question, and this one is from Skip, and the subject is vegan diets. And Skip says, you guys mentioned that you tried going vegan but couldn't do it. Were you eating a whole foods, plant-based diet consisting of fruits, vegetables, both starchy and non-starchy, whole unrefined grains, legumes, which are beans, nuts, and seeds? It's worked for me for over eight years now, and I add IF to it. Thanks. Okay, I'm so excited about this question. <laughs> so excited. Um, well, first of all, it's fantastic that you've been doing it for eight years and it's working for you. Wonderful. I think that's great. Um, when I personally tried vegetarianism, I didn't try veganism, but when I personally tried it, yes, it was back in my crazy try all the try all the diets days, and it wasn't whole foods based at all. Now I do personally follow a paleo diet, so. I personally eat fruits, vegetables. I don't eat grains or legumes, um, but I do eat nuts, seeds, and then I eat meat as well. And I find, for me personally, that's what I thrive on. I just really thrive on that. I do have a lot of thoughts about vegan diets, and I don't know like how much I should talk about this. Um, I mean, on the one hand, epidemiological studies do seem to link vegan and vegetarian diets to longevity, so there's definitely support for that there. But then again... They also find that vegetarian diets that include dairy seem to do better than just straight up vegetarian. And and dairy, I actually think, I think can be problematic, but I do think there are some specific nutrients found in plant foods that we do personally need, such as B12 can be a problem, as well as uh, omega-3s, which are vital uh, fatty acids, essential fatty acids for the body. And I do think it varies by person. So I think some people thrive better on a vegan or vegetarian diet, while others might need more animal products. Some of us have genes that determine the enzymes in our saliva, actually, that allow us to break down starch. So we may be more efficient or less efficient with carbohydrates. Genes can also affect how we convert essential fatty acids. So a lot of vegetarians uh, with plant-based diets, they're getting the, the form ALA, which is an essential fatty acid of omega-3s, that has to be converted to a more bioavailable form in the body, which is the version that you get in like fatty fish and salmon. So that's a slightly inefficient process. It's estimated to be about like 5%. So that's a whole other thing to consider. I know I'm going on a tangent. I'm just really passionate about this subject. (laughs) Um, Basically, so I'm going to go back to your question. Skip, back to your question. No, I do not personally do vegan. I haven't done whole foods, plant-based, and I do struggle with grains, so I, I don't think that would work so well for me. Um, if it's working for you, keep going. I, I, I will even have like vegetarian, vegan recipes in my book. I could talk about this forever, so I'm going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? Well, I never tried. I've, I don't remember if I ever tried vegan. Um, 
when I was exploring diets, I would read the diet and then I could immediately say, yeah, I'm not going to do that because I you know, don't want to give up X, Y, Z. I actually did, dairy is the big thing for me. I love dairy. Dairy makes me happy. I don't notice any negative responses to dairy. I did try to give it up back in, I don't know, the early 2000s. I tried to give up dairy and I didn't feel any better without it. I don't react well to it. Do you not? And see, now I, I believe that people don't. And that's the thing that we need to keep in mind. I believe that Skip is vibrantly healthy eating this yeah. way and that Skip is happy. And, you know, I do believe that people have trouble with dairy. I believe that people have trouble with grains and beans. I don't, though. And I really think it comes back down to the individual differences. You talked about this last week about the study that they did with different breads. And some people had a glycemic response to one bread versus the other. Like cookies versus bananas. (laughs) And it just goes back. I think we're so individual and our gut bacteria is different. And the more I read about that, the more I think that, you know, we're not doing all the digesting that's happening in our bodies. It's, It's happening in our gut. With our gut bacteria, they're doing a whole lot of the work. And so if you have trouble with certain things, it's very likely based on what your gut is populated with. And so anybody who claims they can't eat a food and they don't feel well when they eat it, I believe them. Um, But that doesn't mean that it isn't good for someone else to eat. Because there are people all over the world, you know, if we go back to the indigenous populations, the the people that have lived in the different um, cultures of, of the world, they're eating vastly different things and they were vibrantly healthy. Weston Price studied them and he found, you know, they were healthy in Polynesia. They were healthy in the Arctic and they ate completely different foods. So yeah, I just, I I could probably go vegetarian and be happy because I, I eat meat, but I mean, and, and if I don't have meat one day, then the next day I'll, I'll usually eat meat. But I could almost give up meat, I guess I'll say, but but not the eggs and the um, the dairy. That's something I really, I enjoy it. You know, I want to eat what I enjoy. And if you enjoy eating vegan and you feel great, then that is 100% what you should do. That's what I think. Yeah, I agree. I brought up all those points just because I think there's an idea that vegetarianism is like the way to go for everybody. And I don't think that's the case. I think some people need to be cautious. And I think we should be cautious in general. But I definitely think that find what works for you and and do it. (laughs) Yeah. And I I think that our bodies give us a lot of clues, Mm -hmm. especially when you're an intermittent faster. One thing that's very common, people talk about this in the Facebook groups all the time as well. They suddenly realize that certain foods that they loved, either their body doesn't respond well to them or they, they don't like them anymore. And you notice that because you've been fasting 19, 23 hours a day, and then now you're eating something, and you're like, ooh, that food is not agreeing with me. And it allows you to pinpoint your body's reactions to things. Whereas when you were eating frequently, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snacks, your body kind of masked those symptoms because you were just always in that fed state. So intermittent fasting is fantastic for showing you how your body is going to feel best. And it's the reason I don't have a recommended diet plan and in delay, don't deny, just because it, it becomes so very individualized. Um, and I'm, I'm not saying that you should not have a recommended diet plan. I know you're very passionate about paleo eating. Even within that, I like you, I think people should find what works for them. So my, I, I'm more of like a template person. Like, here are the foods I think are really healthy. Here are foods I think could be problematic. Find what works for you. <laughs> Yep, I think so too. 
All right, so next question. This comes from Karen. She says, I did intermittent fasting with an eating window from two to eight for five days. I felt amazing, energetic, alert, and free of the hardcore sugar and bread cravings I struggle with. The only problem is that I gained five pounds in those days and it totally freaked me out. I didn't gorge myself or eat pounds of sugar. In fact, I ate healthier than I usually do because I found myself wanting whole food over processed. Anyway, the five pounds was enough to scare me and make me think that intermittent fasting may just not actually work for some people. What is your opinion? Has anyone else reported anything similar? I'm a healthy 35-year-old woman with zero medical issues. My goal was to gain more control over my cravings, my emotional eating habits, and lose about 45 pounds. Now 50, since I gained the five additional pounds. Thanks in advance for any insight or help you can give me. Oh, Karen. You know, Karen asked, what is your opinion? Has anyone else reported anything similar? Yes. <laughs> this is so common. And again, if I didn't have the Facebook groups, I wouldn't know how common this is. But it is so very typical. People will start and you're eating less than you used to eat. You're only eating. She seemed to be in a six-hour window. And of course, you're like, all right, I'm only eating in a six-hour window. My weight is going to just melt right off. And then they gain weight like right away. And the first, and it doesn't even make sense. And if you no one, no one expects this. And then they're like, oh my gosh, how could this be happening? And this is actually very common in the first three weeks of intermittent fasting. And people just, you have to explain it to them and it, it freaks them out because no one wants to start a new lifestyle plan for a diet to lose weight. And now you have gained five more pounds. <laughs> Nothing will freak you out faster than that. You know, because every other diet we've ever started in our lives, think about it, Melanie, every diet we started, didn't we have our very best results the first week? Definitely. Like you lost more weight the first week than you ever lost again yeah. in another week. So in that regard, intermittent fasting is like the, the George Costanza of um, the diet world. It's like the opposite of what you might expect. You know, it starts off and you might gain weight. How common does that, do people talk about that happening? Because that, that didn't happen for me. No, it happens all the time. Like like half of the people or or I guess you don't know because it's not like people are all telling you. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. But it's, it's every day someone is asking this question. Okay. Like, oh my gosh, I've been doing this for two weeks and I'm up three pounds and why am I not losing weight? And the beauty of how our intermittent fasting communities on Facebook is, you know, I started the two groups that I run, but I'm not the only person in the groups now. Of course, we've got thousands of members and the people who have already experienced it are great at talking to the new members and saying, yes, this is common. Yes, this happened to me. Yes, it took a month before I really started to see weight loss. And then I dropped a pant size and the scale still had not moved. And that is what we see a lot too. People dropping whole clothing sizes and the scale hasn't moved yet. So it, it and they're like, but I'm not losing any weight. I'm gaining weight. How is this possible? Well, they their clothes have gotten, you know, loose on them. They don't, you know, they had to get a new belt, but they're not seeing the scale results. So intermittent fasting just does not have the same results that, that you would on another plan. For some people. Yeah, I just want to emphasize For that. some people. Not everyone has that problem. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad that you mentioned that because some people do drop weight immediately. Like they'll say, hey, I've been doing this a week. I've already lost 10 pounds. It just really depends. A lot of it is based on the, the fluid balance, what's going on in your body. Um, your body may retain water, your body may release water, 
but that's that's just what's happening on the scale you know if you're also working out you're going to be gaining muscle mass we talked about that earlier in this episode you know obviously in one week you have not like gained people say oh you've gained muscle not in a week no <laughs> not that's not it in a week but you have not gained five pounds of muscle but it's a water balance issue um, we talked about this in an earlier episode we mentioned the, the whoosh effect but many people find that they retain a lot of water and then all of a sudden boom whoosh they'll lose several pounds at once so what do you think do you have any thoughts yeah so i do have some thoughts so you've been doing this for five days i highly doubt you realistically gain five pounds of fat in five days like <laughs> you'd have to eat that's just yeah you'd have to eat so much food and be storing it all as fat so i highly highly doubt it's five pounds of fat that you gained it's most likely, it could be some fat, could be muscle, could be water. Like you said, Jen, it's really hard to tell. Um, so I would definitely say stick it out. I definitely think the longer you do intermittent fasting, you will ultimately lose weight. And so you want to lose about 45 pounds, now 50. I definitely think that'll happen. And something I really want to emphasize. So you said your goal in doing this was that you want to, get to gain control over your cravings and your emotional eating habits and lose the weight. So intermittent fasting will address the weight loss problem, but don't worry about that. But uh, the cravings and the emotional eating, I personally, I think that's the hardest part about dieting in general and food and everything. Like, I feel like that's the crux of the issue so often. And the fact that you've experienced just in five days, amazing results in that area is really speaking to how wonderful intermittent fasting is going to work for you. Like you said that you've lost your sugar cravings, you feel more energetic, you're craving whole foods instead of like processed foods. I mean, that's, that's amazing. That's wonderful. And if that's the mindset and the feeling that intermittent fasting is going to give you, there's nothing that you can't do with this lifestyle um, because you're going to be able to stick to it and you're going to be able to make healthier choices. So you're definitely going to see the results. So I think don't stress at all about that weight gain. Stick it out. Um, report back in like a month. <laughs> and if, you're st if you still haven't lost any weight, then we can reevaluate the situation. Um, but I think that... All signs are saying full speed ahead. It's a red herring, the uh, the five pounds. I think so too. And and that was an excellent point that you made, the cravings and the emotional eating. So many people report that that improves with intermittent fasting. They, they lose their cravings that, like I said before, the things they used to crave, they no longer like those foods. And it's not because we told you not to eat that. You know, Someone today posted how they bought this pack of donuts. And they were so excited because it was one of their favorite things. They were going to eat these donuts. And then they ate one and they're like, that donut was disgusting. <laughs> you know, and I didn't say don't eat that donut. That donut is poison. You know, what? maybe it is poison. Maybe, you know, it's terrible for you. But we all know donuts are not a health food. But she didn't want the donut. It's not because she thought the donut was a bad food. Her body said, you know, this is really not what you want. Go have a, you know, some strawberries. Exactly. <laughs> oh, fruit. I love yeah. fruit. <laughs> Me too. I have some blackberries in the fridge. I'm going to have those tonight. I love blackberries. I love um, watermelon, pineapple, as you know. <laughs> yeah, I do know. And berries. And berries. Except for raspberries. Do you hear something crazy? Wait, what? I don't like I don't like any kind of melon. Isn't that crazy? <gasps> Wait, you don't like melon? No. I have a whole bowl of watermelon cut up in the fridge right now that someone cut oh up and goodness. gave to us. But I just don't like it. Isn't that weird? I used to think growing up that everybody's favorite fruit was watermelon. Like, it wasn't like I literally thought everybody's favorite fruit was watermelon. And then one day somebody said they didn't like watermelon and I was, my mind was blown. 
<laughs> because everybody picks the watermelon flavor whenever there's a watermelon like candy. Oh yeah. Except for Jen. Jen does not. And Emily. Emily, who's the girl who told me. Jen and Emily. Jen and Emily like, don't like watermelon. Look at, looking for you, Emily. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't like it. But you're right. It probably is most people's favorite fruit, really. I don't like oranges. I can't do oranges. Oh, I love oranges. Instant headache. I think I have a sensitivity. It's like That's searing headache. I believe it. If if it if it's not good for you, you will know. All righty. Well, do you have any final thoughts, Jen? No, I, I think I think we had some great questions this week, and um, we're getting so many great questions. I hope they keep coming in. Yeah, I'm really proud. We actually got to all of our questions today that we had. We did. We did. Normally, we don't. So I'm really excited. <laughs> All right. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can go to our website, ifpodcast.com, and there we will have show notes about the episode so you can see the studies that we talked about, the different products that we like, like that Instant Pod. I'll put a, a link to that. Um, so there's more information there. And if you enjoyed the episode, you can also subscribe for updates at that website and we'll keep you informed on all of the latest and greatest. And if you'd like to submit your own questions, then there's two ways you can do that. You can also do that at that website that I keep talking about. And you can also email questions at ifpodcast.com. And then lastly, if you enjoyed today's show, we would love, love, love if you could write a review on iTunes. Uh, it really, really helps. And that would just mean the world. Absolutely. And thank you for listening. And I am so excited that I'm getting great feedback from people on the podcast and I'm glad that people are enjoying it. Yeah, me too. So definitely keep the questions coming. I, I just, I love hearing them. It's so wonderful. It's so reassuring to know that because intermittent fasting can seem like isolating in a way because you sometimes you feel like you're the only person doing it. I mean, I know you have the groups, so you're like <laughs> talking with people all the time, but it can right. feel like when you start it, most people don't do it. So it can feel a little isolating. So the fact that there's so many people doing it now and just hearing these questions and talking about it, it's just wonderful. It's a wonderful community. It really is. And just to speak to that for just a moment, if you have success with intermittent fasting over time, you're going to find that it's going to, it'll be contagious in your, in your own um, world. I have so many people around me who now do intermittent fasting, mm -hmm. like so many that, you know, like, like my brother, my sister-in-law, my sister, my coworkers, everywhere I go, there's somebody intermittent fasting. So it's, it's just wonderful. It really is. And, and people see, and then they're like, oh, this is great. Because it is. So we can keep spreading the word. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, All Melanie. Right. And I look forward to next week. Me too. Thanks, Jen. Bye, Bye. everybody. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember... The opinions we discussed on this show do not constitute medical advice. We're not doctors. Check out ifpodcast.com for more information on us. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.